Hashkafa. So a, lo- a lot happened, and uh, I have a lot of comments to make. But I, uh, I want to leave that for tomorrow. And today I just want to teach normally, because today is a very, very important shir. Now, I have to say I have nachat, because these shayurim, among, you know, it's a 12-year course in the kolel. So I have many shayurim in the kolel. Uh, with topics that interest me on the uh, history of the halacha. But I have to say that the shirim I'm proudest of are these on Aguna and the ones that will follow on Mamzerat. And these are areas that not not many Rabbanim really know, not many Tamadikacham really know these areas, really know halacha, how to deal with it. But I have to say my daughter, uh, my eldest daughter with the rabbinic courts, the last few days we've had a Mamzerat problem. And it's a pleasure to speak to her. And it's a pleasure to see that there are women, my daughter is another woman who's also, I've taught part of her family, they're dealing with these concepts, halachala maisa. And the Dayanim are very impressed. The Dayanim, my daughter showed me a brief that was prepared for the Dayanim. The Dayanim said, who wrote this for you? And these women wrote it themselves. But the problem is, I'll tell you what the problem is in these areas. And this is a problem. When I was growing up, you had a difficult shaila. You went to Rev Moshe. When Rev Moshe decided to paskin, he paskined. Nothing stood in the way. I had a very difficult problem with an aguna years ago. I don't want to go into it now. When I came up right here in the call, I developed a way to go to be mati the aguna. And uh, it was amazing. I had to go to Rabbi Vadi Yosef. Rabbi Vadi Yosef, in a minute, understood me here, and he wrote a triva. Once he acted, everyone followed. But see, the problem is that the average Dayan doesn't have that self-confidence yet. They're not Reb So you see, there's a delicate problem here. The Rav referred to this problem many times. I have it in my work as well on the Rav. Can you have a structured chief rabbinate? Whoever heard of a chief rabbinate? Whoever heard of a Godly Yisrael being elected? Godly Yisrael were never elected. The world turned to them and forced them to accept the mantle of leadership. And Reb Moshe was never elected. Who made Reb Moshe Reb Moshe? Reb Moshe came to America a refugee, came the year I was born, 1937, unwanted, unsought, uncalled, got a position in Mesifta Tepheret Yerushalayim. He wasn't Reb Moshe yet. Believe me, he wasn't Reb Moshe. Rav Kutni came to America. He taught in high school in, uh, in, in RJJ, clean-shaven, a young man, a philosopher. Over the years, same thing with the Rav. The Rav came to Boston. Some of you know from my lectures. Who was the Rav? Who was the Rav? I met, I, I met people in Boston last June, people in their 80s, who told me they were from people in Boston in the, in the 30s into the 40s. They never heard of the Rav when they lived in Boston. So later in life, the Rav becomes the Rav. Rav Moshe becomes Rav Moshe. Rav Hutna becomes Rav Hutna. Here you have a formal rap in it. And... Just because a person, you fellas, can study Dayanit, in five years' time you'll pass all the exams in Chashim Midyarade you're doing now. You have to do Chashim Mishpat, you have to do Ebenezer. You'll pass all the exams. You'll be a Dayan. It still won't give you the confidence how to handle Halach Lamaisa. You get a very difficult case. You will be frightened. And what happens is with the Dayanim, it passes on and passes on until it reaches the Beitan Gadolia Rurim, until it reaches the real Gadolia, Gadolia Yisrael. And they already paskim lahalacha, but it's a it's it's a difficult problem, and I don't want to be critical. You know, the rev was critical of the chief rabbinate. 
Whoever heard of a rabbin, have you seen my book, what he says, a rabbinate, that you elect someone, he wears a high hat, he walks with a cane, carries a Bible. You know, the Rev gives a description already. The Rev says, this is a Christian concept, not a Jewish concept. On the other hand, if you have a state, you have, have to have an organized rabbinate. You have, you have dinner, you should be deharabanut. It's not a private matter here. Let's hope it will, it will remain this way. That it's not a private matter, it's a public matter. Everyone has to go to the rabbinate. You need an organized rabbinate. But I have to say that it's a place you to speak with people who know what you're talking about in Dini Haguna, Dini Mamzerut. On the other hand, the Paschal Allah, you need Gedoli Gedoli Yisrael. As you've seen all along, and even the Gedoli Gedoli Yisrael, when it comes down to a difficult question, are going to say, I'm not that two Gedolim will agree with me, one Gedol will agree with me, and until that time it's not going to be Allah Lamaisa. Now, we finished out last week all the Kulat of Eidot, and we spoke, we began with the Mishnah, traced it through all of Yuvamat, and we came down with all the different uh, examples from the Shalat and Shivat, from modern times, people getting killed in the army, uh, the Holocaust, a very moving, a very moving uh, story that I quoted to you from Hatzofer, where uh, the man comes in Aliyah, his friend was killed, the wife is trying to find out who he is, can't locate him. Turns out he changed his name. And you see the Rav uh, up north, the Rav of the Yishuv was very helpful. He went to the Mishrat Apnin, traced it down, and sure enough, the man has changed his name. He says, Eidit Namanan, not only was this man killed on the battlefield, but I buried him. This is very important, Eidit. Vani Krativ. And you can be Mati Aguna. That was out of 1973. We ended off, of course, and this is, is something that you must always remember. This today is a tragedy in the American Rappinet. It's a tragedy with Rabbi Rackman. I'll talk about it more tomorrow. I, I just, Wednesday, I left Miami. Before I got on the plane, I got a call from New York. It was Wednesday night already. And it's just a tragedy. What happened with Rackman and, and the Rabnet and people I know, it's a tragedy. And to a certain degree, it's a certain element in YU. And this is very important. We can't solve all problems. See, being, being so-called Western Orthodox, modern Orthodox, we try to make Judaism palatable. Reach out. NCSY. Part of outreach, we forget to tell people that there's a halachic framework. And sometimes human interest, human dignity, let me use that word, human initiative clash with the halacha. And you have to bow to the halacha. We can't solve all problems. And that's what ended up with the Yigrat Moshe, with a man who disappeared during the war, but there was no testimony where he was, what happened to him. Reb Moshe could not be Mata the Yagunah. And that's where we ended off the class. And there's always going to be the Rav's famous story of the girl and the boy. Remember the story where the girl is a Catholic and she seeks out Judaism and she converts. And in graduate school, she's already a Jew. And in graduate school, she meets a, uh, a, a Jewish student. The Rav used the word alienated. Today you would use the word the average American Jew knows nothing of Yiddishkeit. Oh, the kid meets this nice woman, and why shouldn't he marry? Uh, you know, understand, there's no barrier today. A Jew in America is 99% at home. 99%. Once in a while, someone will call him a dirty Jew. Once in a while, he'll encounter some uh, anti-Semitism. They call you part of a tribe, tribal anti-Semitism. All right, that's true, we are part of a tribe. And the Gentile world can't understand that. So that's the only time he'll encounter anti-Semitism. Why shouldn't he marry whoever he meets? He meets this girl, turns out she's Jewish. He doesn't even know he's Jewish. He's Jewish by birth. And then 
she starts teaching him about Yiddishkeit. He becomes a Baal And when he becomes a Baal the Rav told the story. I've told it many times. You know the story. He goes to the cemetery and he checks the tombstones. And what does he find on the tombstone of his grandfather? A very strange symbol. He thought it was a messianic symbol. The splitting of the fingers. Photographs the tombstone. Comes to his rabbi. And his rabbi tells him, your father's father was a Kohen. Your father was a Kohen. You are a Kohen. You cannot marry this girl. She's a Giorit. And it came all the way to the Rav. I mean, did you ever hear of a greater human tragedy? I mean, the woman became from on her own. Became Jewish on her own. Became from everything she did on her own. What do you want? But this is the clash of human dignity. I'll use a very strong word. And the halacha. And if you're a halachic Jew, you bow to the halacha. This is what Nasev and Ishma is all about. And this is a real problem, I have to tell you. The image that a certain element in Yeshiva University casts, a certain element in Rabbinical Council of America, is that we can solve all problems. This is not true, it's unfair, it's not Jewish, it's not Torahic. And this is Reb Meisha. And I'm glad I ended off with one example. With all that we solved, all the problems we solved, I'm glad I ended off with one example that you should see. Not everything can be solved. Okay. Now I come to probably the most important single shear in the whole question of Vaguna. And here we come to a head-on clash. Common sense versus halacha. What does common sense tell you? Common sense tells you a person who's on a plane that crashes into the ocean died. That's common sense. A person who jumps off a boat in the middle of the ocean, a boat going to America, maisim, almost b'chol yom, I would say. I can, I can tell you uh, an interesting sidelight. When uh, it was the 60s, I finished my doctorate. So Professor Grinstein, may he rest in peace, who was Professor of American Jewish History, was grooming me to teach American Jewish history. I would begin at Stern College, then help him in Yeshiva College, because Stern College did not yet have a course. I don't know if they have today, but they didn't, didn't have any courses in American Jewish history. So Professor Grinstein says to me, after I finished my doctorate, he says, you want to do something interesting? Go read the logs about the ships that left for America. I mean, everything is preserved. There are records on everything. And you'll see how many ships sunk. And imagine how many Jews died in the ocean trying to come to the Golden of Medina. All right, it's an interesting thought. Of course, by that time I knew I was going in Aliyah and the topic didn't interest me. I never did the research. But it's an interesting thought. And today from the response literature I'll show you, if not today, I'll show you next week how the response literature discusses these very problems. But logically speaking, a person is on a boat. The boat explodes at sea. There's a fire on the boat. The boat goes down. The person is dead. Who survived? If you survived the Titanic, they knew right away. No one was pulled out of the water, as far as I know, a week later. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Fine. This is common sense. This is Chazaka. This is Rove. This is what basic halachic thinking is based upon. Rove people on a boat die, fine. Plane went into the ocean, fine. There's only one problem. This is common sense, it's halachic sense, media writer. 
Midrabanan, we don't depend upon this. Why? And you all know, there's always a miracle. There is always a miracle in life. Jonah and the whale repeats itself, Bechol da Vada. I hope to show you a story tomorrow, a picture tomorrow, something that I couldn't believe my eyes when I read it in a Chabad publication. Mamish a miracle. Something that I took for granted, millions of Jews took for granted. We were wrong. We, we looked at a picture and we didn't understand what we were seeing. So there's always miracles in life. There are always miracles in life. There, what's that? there are always exceptions that prove the rule. You're going to be a rebbe, you're going to be a good teacher, so you're going to say something to the students and a student will shoot you down. Rebbe, I did this, it didn't work out what you said. Well, what do you do? So, quote Aaron Rekhefet, you are the exception that proves the rule. The fact that a guy walked among gorillas and alligators and they didn't eat up alive doesn't mean he's a tzaddik. All it means is the exception that proved the rule. Chazal v'chayshish. Can anyone tell me what this is called? This has a very famous halachic name that throughout, reverberates throughout the halachic literature. Mayim she'en lechem sof. Now, let me give you the sugya. Sugyas in Yivamataf Kufchaf Aleph Amir Aleph. It's the most famous sugya in Yavamar, I would say, as far as Agunat goes. Kufchaf Aleph Amir Aleph. It's a very famous sugya. It's the heart of Heter Aguna. It's the heart of Simon Yud Zayin in the Shulchan Aruch Evanesa. Kufchaf Aleph Amir Aleph. 121a. You'll see it's a big sugya. It's the whole Amud that carries over. By the way, this is the Rebbe's greatest proof against Rabbi Rachman. And the Rebbe is absolutely right. If you could be Mafkir Kedushin in every case... What do you have all these sukkis for? Why are we going crazy? Eli, why are we going crazy trying to figure out whether he's alive or dead? You follow me? Be mafkir the kedushin. And Shlomo, you've solved all problems. This, this is the rubs. And this, I mean, this is an irrefutable proof against Rabbi Rachman. What, what, what Rakefit published, all right, you saw what I published in Hamavase, it came out. It made an impact. What I published in Hamavase, that's Lundis, that's dealing with the sukkis. But the Rav here brought in a refutable proof. I cite this, by the way. Towards the end of the article, I cite this and I cite the Rav. I cite where he said it because it's an irrefutable proof. I dealt with the Lundas. I dealt with Lundas. I showed off Lundas. Fine. I showed off Lundas. I showed that at Baruch Hashem and Eretz Yisrael. We know how to learn a little bit too. But the Rav's proof is irrefutable. Leave out all my Lundas. It's irrefutable. And the Mishnah says, Nafalamayim, <laughs> And what does it mean? What does it mean? Yesh lamsof, ain't lamsof. What does this euphemism mean? Gentlemen, if it's a little kiddie pool and someone falls into the water, you know for sure what happened. Absolutely know for sure. Because you can see the entire surface surrounding the pool. However, stand at the Miami Beach, or North Miami Beach, at Ventura, where I was stationed, Oh, what an ocean. As far as the eye could say. Go to Tel Aviv. Jerusalem is landlocked. Those of you that love uh, water suffer here. Once a month you got to go to Tel Aviv to sit, watch the water. Oh, it's fabulous. Can you see what's going on in all the water? So, logically speaking, 
If someone falls into water, himself, then for sure, you saw the man didn't come out, you know the guy is dead. If someone fell into water, himself, you have more of a problem. Because you can't see all the water. But nevertheless, logically speaking, halachically speaking, a person drowns in the Mediterranean, a person drowns in the Atlantic Ocean, a plane goes down, a boat crashes, a boat explodes, a plane explodes. A person jumped off the boat, was pushed off the boat. In New York there was a terrible incident. Do you know what happened in New York? Uh, not off the boat, in front of a subway. You know who pushed the woman in front of a subway? A nice Catholic girl from a fine house. So leave it to the New York Times investigative reporting. First page, front page, New York Times. I have it now. I'm sure. Front page, graduate of Central Yeshiva High School. Kew Gardens Hills. Nice boy from Queens. Nice Yeshiva boy. Pushes a girl in front of a train and kills her. A total stranger. Doesn't know the woman, doesn't know. A guy in his 30s, evidently sick. Demented. But Shem uh, Yerachim, they're always demented people. And Yeshiva Central Queens made the front page of the New York Times but Achenvei, what publicity? My friends who are on the... Ch- it was sick, of course. I hope, I hope. I can't believe a normal person would do it, but what a terrible tragedy. Because the day before, this girl came from a fine upstate Catholic family, a from Catholic family, and uh, they write about the chesed that the family did and how this girl had come to New York and what a good girl she was and how clean her lifestyle was. And the next day, they did investigative reporting on the moron Goldstein, Andrew Goldstein, who killed her. And I tell you, as I'm reading the article, I was shaking because I remember in BMT we had a Goldstein. I expected to read next. And after he graduated the Central Yeshiva of Queens, he went to Beis Medrash Latorah where he studied with Aaron Rakefit in Israel. I, I tell you, I was shivering, but thank God he went to Bronx High School of Science afterwards. Brilliant kid. And parents, it's unbelievable. You got to read, you got to see the New York Times. So, so people can, you got, and I tell everyone, don't stand there. I told my grandchildren, if you're ever in New York, don't stand near the edge of the... Because people, by nature, you stand waiting for the train. You don't... Who would think a moron's going to push you in front of a train? Same thing with a boat. You're standing on a boat. person doesn't like you. A person is insane. Pushes you overboard. Rebunish Shalalem. Mind shame like himself. Logically, you're dead. However, Chazal... And this, it's a homach But we paskin, Chazal made a takana. Or a gezerah, we'll call it. Gezerah is a better word. I rewind the tape, remove the word takana. It's nothing to do with takana. It's a gezerah. Because Eshetish is such an important matter. Because Mamzerah is such a terrible happening. I cannot stress to you enough what's happening in America. Rachman is matim Mamzerim. It's a frightening, frightening, frightening. And Balabatim believe he's correct. This is the worst part. That the average Balabas believes are... You know, Rakefit is more stringent, more right-wing. Rabbi Rachman is liberal, and it's frightening. And because of... Yeah, what, what do you want to say? What do you want to ask? I haven't said a word yet. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Everyone came out. doesn't help. You're living in a world where, where, where it's just frightening what's going on. And, and, and listen, Rachman and all the boys and girls living together who are not married, single girls going to Mikvah, you understand? Well, you're, you're running there. You're running a world. The world... The clash of the self-interest and halacha is head-on. You understand? We have to have everything. 
And it's frightening. The Gavali Israel said everything. Rachman answered. He answered things that, in, that have no basis. He quoted, I'll show you Torah. It's frightening. He quoted Shivat that don't exist of Rav Meishu. It's frightening. Two Shivat that mommy. One exists and it's a totally different Shiva. The other one doesn't exist at all. It's frightening. But, but, so Chazal was so apprehensive here. Because again, if I may use my example, you're not dealing here with Yantav Shani. Yantav Shani is Yantav Shani and I, and, and I stand on my words. And all of you know that I, uh, I, uh, I'm overwhelmed. Everyone today observes two days Yantav and every Israel. It's Brachat Levatala. You're doing things. And so I mentioned that Rav Shlomo Zaman said you should put on tefillin. People call me, I'm breaking Masorah. By the way, the same person, when they showed him my, uh, the, remember I brought into class a Xerox of Yerachmiel Fried's Sefer, a mere yeshiva boy, quoting Rabbi Shlomo Zalman a million times stronger than I quoted him. So the person that cut me down to size, cut him down to size. He said he had no right publishing it. It's unbelievable. But with all the respects, Yantav Sheni, Blight Yantav Sheni. You want to observe two full days? You want to take that right on yourself? Fine. You want to observe a day and a half? Fine. You want to observe one day? Fine. This is Mamzerat. This is... So because it's such a severe halacha, Chazal made a gezera that even though logically, mind shameless self, the man is dead. What's the difference? In a kiddie pool, you'll see whether he gets up or doesn't get up. But if a plane goes down across the ocean, why do we bench Gaimel? We bench Gaimel. I just bench Gaimel yesterday. You fly, you fly, you fly. Everything is fine. God forbid there should be a problem up in the sky. I know very few people that walked away from such problems. So, logically he's dead. Chazal say no. Midrabanan. Weigh my words carefully. Midrabanan. Midrabanan. We cannot be matter in a guna. Maim Shainla himself. Now, and give me another, just give me one more minute. Let me quote the Gemara. It's a very famous Gemara. Because you understand, J- J- Josh is bothered. How can you be so machmir? Maim Shainla himself. Watch what the Gemara says. Chazal were troubled. How can you be so machmir? Amir Avashi. Hi, the Amru Rabbanin, Maim Shainla himself, Ishtoma Surah. He says, this is a fabulous concept. Why? Because he tells the following story. By the way, in modern Hebrew, we use the word It's interesting. Here they use the word mahalech. It's like uh, they didn't have a word then in Chazal's time. We use a modern word Guys traveling in a boat, like you're on a, you're in a car. You know what causes all the jams in the highway? You ever listen to New York, WINS? They taught me to listen when I rent a car. Every 10 minutes, 1, 11, 21, 31, etc. They give you the highway conditions. So what do you hear? The Belt Parkway North, there was a big crash. So why is the Belt Parkway South not moving? Because every driver is stopping to look at the accident. So... You know what happens, lower lane, you're driving and you see two cars smashed, ambulances, bodies lying on, on the asphalt, not a simple matter. That's exactly what Ringobliel says. I was on a boat, and while I was on the boat, I saw another boat that was broken. Fire broke out. It sunk. Shanishparaz, the word he uses. And I had great tsar on a Talmud Chacham who was on that boat and his name was Rabbi Akiva. 
and I figured he was dead. I came to the ground, to safe ground, to dry ground, to the land. I went via Shavla Fanai Bahalacha. Rabbi Akiva comes and sits in front of me and talks to me in learning. Who lifted you up? How are you here? You should be dead. That a board from a boat, a broken boat, uh, what they look for the Dakar. They found something, some things from the Dakar, the Titanic. A board came along. Came along. V'chol gal v'gal. One on the board. V'chol gal v'gal. Shabalai. Naneti lirosh. Nayer the concept. And as each wave came, I bowed to the wave. I rode with the wave. I didn't fight the wave. And that's how I survived. Look what the Gemara says in parentheses. Chazal had such insight. Mikana muchachamim. Im yavoro rishayim al adam yunan el arosh. And this is in parentheses. And you know what it means? Sometimes life is going against you. Don't fight it. Ride the waves. I, this I learned in the rabbinate. When I was 23, I went into the rabbinate, took on such a difficult shtela, low Marian synagogue, I got killed. You know why I got killed? Because I fought back. Ride the waves. Look at the difference when I was 23 years old to Aaron Rakepin in his old age a few weeks ago on Friday morning. I still can't get Rev Chaim Krizwa. The guy never met me in my life. Boom! 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 Hit me! Hit me! Hit me! Hit me! Time after time. I, well, I was sitting with people who came over crying. I was laughing. All right. Your adversaries are upon you. Ride with the waves. Smile. Laugh. I only take HaKadosh Baruch Hu seriously and my students seriously. If my students would hit me like that, then I know I have to look into my soul and see if I'm a Rebbe, if I'm a Talmud Chacham, if I can go on teaching, if my mind is still working, etc. That's true. I look up, I look down. Now, I never look to this side or to that side. Baruch Hashem. But what a difference. You see, that's the Gemara. Guy was I never got punched. We banished Shalom. Cassius Clay couldn't have done to me what this guy did to me so quickly, so rapidly. And the worst part is, I knew right away, I'm not going to fight back. That's all I need to start up with him in public. I was unbelievable. Oh, I love the story I told you. Remember the story with the poker game? I heard in America that story. Anyone who knew them, some people knew these guys. They said, right on. Everyone said, right away, that story is perfect. Because if you know, Reb Chaim Zimmin, Reb Chaim Krizwit, me at the Rambam there, Reb Simchelvik, Achsidisha guy, saw the money on the table, quickly maneuvered the cards, grabbed the money and ran. Believe me. But I couldn't run. I couldn't grab anything. I was being decimated. But boy, I didn't fight back. I laughed. I'm still laughing. It's unbelievable. I only regret no one recorded it. Ugh, we finally had someone recorded that. That tape today, we could have made a fortune selling it. Rakefit decimated by Rev Chaim Krishna. We could have made a fortune. We finally we could have had contests. Who's the Torah better? The lowly why you dog or the Gadol Hadar from Antwerp, Belgium? Anyway, that's the Gemara and the Merida Gemara. The sea is upon you. The waves... Your adversaries, Naneli Rosh, Amirud the Gemara, young men, you are young, you're in Shira Shiram, don't forget that Gemara. Then he says, and then, after all that happened, I reached the shore. Amati Biyotosha, 
כמה גדולים דברי חכמים שאמרו מים שיש להם סוף מותרת, מים שאין להם סוף אסורה. How great were our sages. If you are sitting there and Chaim Yankov falls into a kiddie pool and he drowns, somehow he can't crawl out, he suffers a stroke, you know for sure, you know, you know for sure, you know what this means, this Israeli symbol, I'll take questions in a minute. You know for sure he's dead. Maim she'ein himself, even if you're positive, logically, halachically, rov, chazaka, who can survive? No, we are never matir. Why not? We're always chayshesh. That he walked away. A miracle happened like Rabbi Akiva. Give me one more second. The Gemara tells the same story again. Tanya Rabbi Akiva And this is Rabbi Akiva. And he sees another boat being smashed. Here he uses the word Meterefet Biyam. Terrible seas, a hurricane. And he says, I started crying because I knew on that boat was Rebbe Meir. When I reached Medinat Kuputya, I started saying cheer, and Rebbe Meir comes and sits in front of me. I said, my dear son, how did you get here? And he tells me, each wave passed me on to the other wave until I reached the Yabasha. And this is the famous classic basic sugya that's known by the halachic rubric Mayim She'englech himself. What does it mean? Midioraita, the woman would be muteret. Midioraita in halacha, those of you learning Yoridea know chazak or rov, these are basic concepts. All of you know if you find a piece of meat, you have to figure out how many kosher stores there are, how many trade stores are, where did you find it, what it's near. You all know the halachat. All of you know there's beetle, there's rov. Here, midirabbanan, because of chumateshetish, a special gezeira. And Chachamim, two stories about Rabbi Meir and about Rabbi Akiva. Logically, they should have been dead. But a miracle happened with the waves. And therefore, Midrabanan, weigh my words carefully, Midrabanan, it is a gezeira, that although we're positive, logically, rov, chazaka, intuition, circumstantial evidence, nevertheless, we cannot be matter in a guna because of Mayim She'enle himself. This is the most basic halacha when it comes to heterakona. If there wouldn't be this gezeira, we could be mater 99.99% of agunet. There would never be a problem. The man is in World War II. Rabbi Meishu wouldn't have a problem. I, if the woman is wrong, the man comes back. All right, so one out of a hundred, you have a problem. One out of a thousand, you have a problem. All of you know the problem. I spoke about it many times. I published about it. Rakafadar and Chelik Bet, the Masabi Gittin for Florida, came to meet me because he, whatever though, I don't want to, Baruch Hashem, he said he really gave me wonderful words of praise in that article, which I never even knew anyone read, because to me that article was so difficult to understand. How many people understand what I'm talking about? Havkat Gittin, the Gemara in, in, in Gittin, made, made, the, the Masham Shvadran, how many people understand it? He came to meet me to thank me for that article. But we would never have a problem. 99.99% are you taking a risk? So one out of a million. Who can survive? Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir, these are miracles. But ain't some Kimal Hanais. This is the Gezeira, this is Maim Shein Lam Sof, this is the first point of today's Shia, but a very, very major concept. Yes, Josh. 
are two sides of the same coin. But what you're saying is, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. You're saying that if the woman can no longer have children, maybe. Uh, so you see, Chazal view it just the the, the, the Chachamim is just the opposite. That while she's young, we do everything in our power to be matir because she can still have children. When she's older, we wouldn't be under such pressure. Nevertheless, I say this is a social factor. If the woman is not self-supporting, it, again, it turns around. You follow me? But uh, what you are saying may enter into the picture very mildly. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll give it to you in a more concrete form. You, you heard, you heard. It's very interesting what was just said. I'll give it to you in a more concrete form. Uh, what about Gayrut? You know something? I always have the intuitive reaction... We have to be more machmi with the gay rid of a woman than a man. Understand what I'm saying? You, you're with me? Because a woman determines whether the children are Jewish or not. I've heard from Gedoli Yisrael that I'm absolutely right. That a baitin with a woman will be more medaktik because they want to be certain the children are Jewish. So what you're saying may have a certain amount of relevancy. Yes, David. Right. Right. That, 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 that these, in other words, what I'm saying is very simply that Chazal basically, logically, halachically, from the point of view of pure halacha, media writer, you can be mad to the woman. 99.99% of people who are in a crash in the middle of the ocean die. But because of the Chumadeshadish, they made a Gezerah. Exactly, because of the Chumr Veshadish, what's involved here? That's why I said it's not Jant of Shani. But, but in other words, but logically speaking, you would say to me, why are you bringing me a story of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir? These are the exceptions that prove the rule. You follow me? But because of Chumr Veshadish, we're choshish for these exceptions, even though they were Nisim. And even though generally you would say, ain't something al Okay, you with me now? Yes, Ali. But it's exactly, the Gemara defines it. You want to know the definition? Here's the definition. The Gemara asked exactly the same question. How do you differentiate between Mamsha and Mamsha himself? Amabaya. That's what I said, a kiddie pool. It, it's a pool. Exactly. That where you're standing, you can see the whole pool. Then you can say that the guy was underwater for 50 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. No one survives that long without breathing. He never came up. He's dead. No, you have to be able to, no, no. For you to say that you have to be able to see all the way around. Otherwise, it's it's my shame himself for you. You understand? The definition means it's like I was. They took me last Sunday touring in uh, Miami Beach. So they took me to the Biltmore Hotel. The Biltmore Hotel is where the President of the United States receives dignitaries from South America. It's a magnificent hotel built like a medieval castle. So uh, they have the largest outdoor pool in the state of Florida. That pool is Mayim Shainla himself. Why? The pool is built at a right angle. So that if you're standing here, you can't see what's going on on the other side of the pool the building blocks that you follow me. So that already is Maim Shainla himself. That's the definition. But a simple example is the Mediterranean, the ocean. You understand, generally speaking, a pool in a hotel, if you're a lifeguard, you can see the whole pool. There, you would need two lifeguards because Mamish, the pool is built at right angles and it's very, very long. It continues all the way around. That's Maim Shainla himself within a very limited arena. Follow me? Okay.
Then it would have a din of Maim Shesh to himself. If they could testify, I saw east uh, and north, and you saw west and south, that would be Maim Shesh to himself. But on the Mediterranean or on the ocean, you can never reach that level. Okay? In the swamps, we were in the Everglades on Monday. I was in the Everglades. I did a lot between uh, Sheyurim and visiting Talmidim. So I, I went to the Everglades on uh, the swamp lands. That's my channel himself. Where have you ever been to the Everglades? Wherever you are, there you are. It's growth and it's whatever Israel was like at the turn of the century. Water all over. Alligators running all over. It's unbelievable. And they have the stupid tourists to come and pay a fortune to see an alligator or two. You understand? They, uh, it's, it's great. Then you go to an Indian reservation. These Indians have to be Jewish because they're so clever. They keep a few tents and they do a few kunsen for you. Then they go back to their million dollar air conditioned homes a few blocks away. I'm convinced that they have to be Jewish because it's a real hop. But tourist to tourist. You got to do it. If I don't do it, my wife will be mad at me. The last thing in the world, I want my wife to be mad at me. Chas v'chalila. sign a tourist. I have to tell you, when they ask for a volunteer to hold the alligator, my wife steps forward. She holds the alligator, I have pictures, and the, uh, the Indian was so smart, he knew already. He looks at my wife and says, are you Jewish? My wife says, yes. In front of a hundred tourists, he says, L'chaim, and the Indian said it so good. At that moment, I knew that guy had to be a Jewish Indian. There's no two ways about it. L'chaim, not L'chaim. L'chaim, perfectly. But the worst part is I come home with the pictures of my wife holding alligators. My grandchildren look at it, don't bat an eyelash. Oh, grand can do anything. You know, she holds alligators, of course. This is part of the course. Uh, not, not, nothing moves them. Okay. Now, with all that I've said until now, we now come to the heart of Heteraguna. One of the most fascinating halachic, uh, let me use the word, dynamics that I know of in the halacha. And the story is as follows. Evidently, in the 1200s, a ship sank off the coast of Italy. Pizarro, to be exact. And when the ship sank, there were great Tamadichachamim on the ship. Seven years went by, their wives remained Agunat. And finally, Rabbi Lezer Meivir Dun, a great Talmud Chacham, one of the Bali Tosfot in the latter period, came along and he was Matir the widows. How was he Matir the widows? He said two concepts. One concept, very interesting. Remember I read to you the Gemara? Remember I read to you the Mishnah? Notice, what do we have here? Omar Ravashi, Haidi Omar Rabbana, Maishan Lamsof Ishto Asura. He added one word. He said, notice. The Gemara did not say Asura Leolam. Just said she's forbidden. He deducted from this that all that the Chachamim had here was a Gezeira. Don't paskin right away. Give it time. What will time accomplish? What do you mean give it time? What will time accomplish? Avi, the longer the time you give it, 
to know certainly why the person died. In other words, his interpretation of the Gemara, and I have to tell you, this is revolutionary. It's revolutionary. His interpretation of the Gemara was that not that the Chachamim ruled out the robe, the Chazaka, the common sense, the logic, the circumstantial evidence. All of us know that this is crucial. We spoke so many weeks about it. This is why we receive all the psulayedit. This is what Tosfit says, what, what, what the Rambam says, right or wrong. Remember I showed you all the Makarat? It's not that we ruled it out. We delay its application. Because every day we delay its application, it makes the robe stronger, the chazaka stronger, the assumption stronger, the common sense stronger, that the man is dead. It's fabulous. Every day we delay it. Every last day makes it better, makes it easier. So he says... Had the Gemara felt that this was a permanent disability, the Gemara would have said, Maim Shainla himself, the woman is Asa La'olam. Once we decree that it's not La'olam, it's not permanent. And seven years later, he was Mati the Yagunat. He added something else. How do we know that the man didn't survive? And here's what becomes so crucial in modern times. Shim hayu chayim? Eich hayu chayim? Omdim? Zayin shanim? Chutz levetam. How would a person remain outside of his house seven years? And of course, this is based upon a common sense assumption. Normal men. Love their wives. Love their children. Normal men desire to have sex within the context of sanctity, of holiness, which means Kedushan, Harayat Mekudashatli. See, this is based upon an interesting assumption that certainly was valid until modern times. Normal men. Guy survives. Has to seek out his house, his home, his wife, his children. His normalcy, his abode, his life. Ah, seven years have gone by. The man has not contacted his wife, his children. He's dead. Chazal did not say Leolam. They said, give it time. Don't act right away. Strengthen the robe, strengthen the chazaka, strengthen the assumption. Strengthen the circumstantial evidence. This is Reb Lezimevitun. Now I have to tell you, there's a tremendous outcry against him. Some of the greatest of Rishonim, the Ravya, I'll give you the sources in a minute, were furious. What are you talking about? How can you say this? The Gemara says Asura. Since when does the Gemara have to say Asura Lolam? Of Pachalav, it's Asura. No one ever had a Havimina, even in, a, in the most liberal orthodox circles. Imagine you'll say, yes, 
when you cook chicken and milk, it's forbidden. But if you hold it in your freezer for two years and then put it into a microwave, you're allowed to have chicken and milk. It's ludicrous. Chazal made many gezerah. Chazal made many takonah. They said asura, asura. Never did they ever say liolam. What kind of diuk is this? And they ripped Reb Lezer Meverdun apart in strong halachic language. Nevertheless, if you just listen carefully to my interpretation, the words I used, don't paskin right away. Wait longer. It makes the chazaka, the rove. He makes sense. The chiddush is not so revolutionary if you view it the way I was just masbirit. And nevertheless, it is a tremendous chiddush. It is a tremendous diuk. Asura, not lo'olam. What does it mean? Within which context? And he heads on. A normal man wouldn't stay far away from his house for so many years. Now that's a tremendous idea. Obviously, it means, number one, that he's a normal man. That he gets along with his wife. Excuse me. Exactly. It means he has a good marriage. Exactly. Doesn't it, exactly. The Achron already talk about it. It won't apply. Nowadays, lower Lenu, this is part of our tragedy. Sex is available free of charge. You have to understand, we're living in two worlds. There's no one who's not living in two worlds. And, and even in, in, in Lakewood, they live in two worlds. And Israel is the only place where there are some Haredim who don't live in two worlds. The only place. But you're living in a world where the President of the United States is a sexual miscreant animal. 70% of the people support him. Our own rabbis, I spoke with rabbis, RCA members, what do you want out of the President? The stock market is booming. What do you care? Rakefet, you got thousands of dollars for Shvatami. What are you, what are you hacking a cup against the President? It's true. You see, and if the president can act like that, and people support him, it's right in our culture today. Sex is available free of charge. Well, if sex is available free of charge, why come home where you have responsibility? Understand? Children are responsibility. A wife is responsibility. In-laws are responsibility. Family is responsibility. Imagine what a great life it is on the west side of New York. Gershon Stadtmauer, right? Okay. I thought I edited it last time. I can't find it. Gershon Stadtmauer. Okay. Because I want that. You understand? Today, Lower Lane, we're living in a different type of society. So that Gershon says has to be taken in consideration. Absolutely. Now, we never had the manuscript of Reblesimir Vadun. If you recall, I quoted it to you months ago from a Mordechai in Yevamat. The Mordechai on the Sugya quotes a tradition. This manuscript turned up. And here you come to an interesting story where YU is involved, directly or indirectly. There were three great Jews that built Yeshiva University on the financial level. Mendel Gottesman, Nathan Lamport, and Harry Fischel. Mendel Gottesman's grandson is today chairman of the board. Lamport 
I don't know what remains of his family, but both the Gottesman and Lamport families have a lot of good Jews left in the family and Lowalainu, Machalalei Shabbos, assimilation into marriage. Some of them became famous, the Lamports who wrote memoirs, who are intermarried, it's, it's, some of them became the big supporters of New, can anyone tell me? Mordechai Kaplan, Reconstructionism. What's amazing about Harry Fischel, he left an unbelievable from family, and it evidently says something about him, probably says more about his wife. His son-in-law, among others, was Rabbi Herbert S. Goldstein, who for many decades, there were three great rabbinim in the New York area. Books have been written about them already, Goldstein, Lookstein, and Young. Harry Fischel, Nathan Lamport, Mendel Gottesman, each gave Yeshiva University $200,000 in the 1920s. What $200,000 means today, you can understand yourself, you're talking the equivalent of tens of millions of dollars given to Torah. It was magnificent, and that's what built the main academic center, which the Moorish beautiful building, which you can't even appreciate what that meant for Torah, such a beautiful building in such a beautiful neighborhood in 1928. It gave shtouts, it raised the head of every Torah Jew in America. No one ever dreamt that could happen. They say, Isaac Alevi Herzog visited America for the first time in 1940-41. Check the silver, I have the exact date in there. He cried, I think it was 1940, he cried when he saw this building, he believed there could be such a beautiful building built for Torah and Yerit Shemaim in America. Harry Fischel did a lot with his money. Among other things, he organized an institute in Israel which began in the 1930s and it's defined itself over the years. Today you fellows know it, some of you will remain in Israel, go on to study, they have many Talmudim who have studied there, graduated there, become Rabbanim there, become Dayanim there, there are many programs of study, both for Rabbanut and Dayanut. What you don't know is that one of the original goals of the institution was to deal with Rishonim, Kitvei Rishonim, because by the 1930s, Kitvei Rishonim began to appear. And this was a very important task, how to edit them and deal with them. By the way, for your edification, one of the early heads of the Harry Fischel Institute was Reb Shol Lieberman. And that's the position Reb Shol Lieberman leaves to emigrate to America to join the faculty of JTS, where he remains until the day he dies. Now, Harry Fischel Institute evidently had what survived as one of the earliest manuscripts of this entire Chiddush of Rebleza Meverdun. It was published by the first time by Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Halevi Herzog. He had access to the manuscript, he had access to the treasures of the Harry Fischel Institute, and he published it for the first time. It appears... In Heichal Yitzchak, this is Rav Herzog's forum that came out right after his death. It appears in, or probably maybe at the end of his life, I have to check the exact year, because there were three volumes that appeared that he had a, oh, I think they came out right after he died, because he, he had them ready for publication, but not complete. 
I'm quoting from the Heichal Yitzchak to Evanessa, Siman Chav Gimel. And this entire Siman is devoted to what he calls Avad Zichro, and by the way, this is what the Halachic rubric becomes known. Avad Zichro is the medicine that one uses when you have Mayim Shainla himself. Avad Zichro is the rubric which goes out and defeats the rubric of Mayim Shainla himself. Avad Zichro is the Rav Chaim Zimmerman hitting the Aaron Rakefet or Mayim Shainla himself over the head. It's also known as the Umdana of Rabbi Eliezer Meverdun. Umdana meaning in modern English, the assumption. It's a very interesting concept. Avad Zichro or the Umdana of Rabbi Eliezer Meverdun. Now, Rav Herzog says in the introduction, tells the story, just as I told it to you, Echad Mibale HaTosvat, and Do'aka, this is our problem, that we never had the original manuscript. All we know is the few words that the Mordechai says when quoting this incident. Now we have it. He also speaks about the fact, and this was also in Kitvayad, one of the great Yishonim of that time, the Ra'avya, that's Rabbi Leezer ben Yoel Halevi, the Ra'avya, the original Ra'avya was published by Machon Harry Fischel, published for manuscript. The Ra'avya totally, completely, absolutely fights, criticizes, negates, and abrogates Rabbi Leezer tremendous machloket, and now he says, I'm publishing it for the first time. Now let me, let, let, let me read the words, let me read the words that he reads from, that, that he cites from the manuscript of Rebbe Vadun. I want to read some words just that I didn't say, but it makes clear how my interpretation is correct. And you see what he's saying is very simply. Maim Shemla himself has to involve every generation is different. What we can do today in saving people they couldn't do a hundred years ago. There's constant change. And what Rabbi Lezimir is saying, in every generation, the rabbis have to interpret it within the context of their generation. And it's not that they made a steadfast rule that it's always Asa. It means you have to be more careful, more bedayek. But let's say in our generation, if a plane goes down and there are no survivors, today, Within a year, you have Avad Zichro, the Umdana the Rebbe Lezimir Vadun. In their times, perhaps there was less instant communication, you had to wait three years, perhaps seven years, but in other words, every generation, the sages have to turn it around and use the common sense of their generation in interpreting what happened. Can we make the assumption? Can't we make the assumption? Is it Avad Zichro? Isn't it Avad Zichro yet? And then he tells the story. Now the story is very interesting. 
Seven years had gone by. By the way, in the Mordechai, there's one gear, so it's three years, but Rav Herzog says that obviously the Ketavyad is correct. When Ketavyad were copied over, so seven became three, three became seven. I can tell you a very simple story that proves this so easily. Nordlich, Zalazain Gesund, you know what I'm talking about, Nulti Nordlich, Kew Gardens Hills. He has made hundreds of tapes of the Rav available to the public. Sometimes I see he cites a tape with a date that's incorrect. And I see what happens. It was copied over. One hand to another hand. April 23rd becomes April 21st. 1974 can become 1972. People misread their handwriting. Mistakes happen. So the Mordechai Taka cites a version of three years, but the Ktavyar is seven years. And he tells a very f- fascinating story that a boat was traveling from, from one Italian city to another. The boat generally took less than one day to make this journey. On the boat were Rabbi Shlomo, the son of Rabbi Yaakov Verona, and, and there was another Jew on this boat who was taking his son to bring him to Verona, where he would be able to teach Torah, and he would be able to, to learn Torah in Verona. Verona was a city filled with Dole Israel, and a terrible storm happened. It's very fascinating how he describes it in detail. That the elders never remember this hurricane that was so fierce as that storm. It reminds me when I was growing up, in 1947, you can check this out, the end of December, there was a tremendous snowstorm in New York, about 30 inches of snow. All the schools, all the yeshiva were closed. Natanel, listen carefully. And I remember in shul, the old timers saying, you think this is a snow? We remember the blizzard of 1885. And I remember they were talking about that blizzard. You youngsters don't know what snow is. It's nothing with nothing. They shouldn't have closed down the schools. 1885, there were 50 inches of snow. And here's what the elders are saying. Not the elders, that expression, Ziknei Tzvat, if you know what I'm talking about. Ziknei Yerushalayim. Ziknei Katamon. No one remembers a storm like this Ever. And all the boats that were in the water that night were smashed to smithereens. We heard that more than 60 ships sunk that night. And endless boats with endless Jews. And then he says, if they were alive, how did they remain? That's why I quoted before. Seven years outside their homes. And then they tell stories on the boat that this man and his son were, and Rabbi Shlomo and the Verena, they found parts of the boats, came in to see broken logs from the boat. They found oil on the boat, from the boat. And, and they found one of the Jews they knew was traveling with oil, which was going to trade. And his wife identified these jars, however they transported the oil, the barrels, that these were her husband's barrels. And the Goyim who found these barrels gave it back to his wife. They said for sure it's from the boat. The boat capsized. The boat is gone. This survived. This reached the shore. In other words, all the circumstantial evidence is here. And then he tells a very interesting story that this Rab Shlomo Miverona uh, has a father. 
the father is alive. And the father is very wealthy. The Shiva writes, the father inherited a fortune of money. And because the father was so wealthy, he was able to hire search parties to go around to all the different countries that bordered on the Mediterranean, including Spain. And all over the search party searched for him and they didn't find him at all. And he goes on and on. All the circumstantial evidence would prove that they're dead, they're gone. Now, dealing, dealing with Gershon's question, he says, some people run away for one simple reason. You know how many people came in Aliyah to avoid bankruptcy? Creditors, God have mercy. How many people ran away from, from investigation by the American government? you have any idea? I don't want to mention too many names, but Jews from, from Borough Park wound up overnight in B'nai Brak. In Borough Park, they didn't have beards. In B'nai Brak, they had long beards. Shouldn't be recognized. Not from Kite. So he says, maybe these people were running away because they had creditors that were after them. But he says... No, this is not the case. These people were wealthy. The father was wealthy. There's no reason they should be running away. They had no creditors. They were good business people. They were not near bankruptcy. He says, we have to rule this out. Then he goes into Gershon's problem. Everyone knows. Maybe they hated their wives. Maybe they hated their wives. The classic American story today. The woman you love stood under the chuppah with. The woman you met when you were in the Wayu Kolil and she was in Michalah and, and everything was, was so beautiful and rosy. Ten years later, you hate her with a passion. He says, no. We have absolute testimony that they lived with their wives in joy, in happiness. And he paskins lahalacha under these circumstances seven years Later, we can be absolutely certain that just as hundreds of Gentiles were killed on these many boats, the tens of Jews that were on them were killed as well. And he's matir the women lahalacha to remarry. Reb Leza, Reb Shmuel, Mevredun. That's the source, that's the text. Tens of lines, maybe even hundreds of lines way beyond the two little lines in the Mordechai. The Rav Yah, and Rav Herzog publishes the Rav Yah, and he rips him apart. He says, Chas v'chalila when Chachamim said, Maim shem l'asafa surah, they don't have to say l'olam, it's understood l'olam, all the chetra gunim is based upon psulayedet, everything we spoke about, but here there's no psulayedet, here all you have is umdana, circumstances, assumptions, and he rips apart the Reblesimir Vadun strongly, firmly, completely, totally. And, and he says, what are you talking about? As when I said before, the Rav Yah says, what are you talking about? Go to the computer today. Check how many times the Gemara says Asura. What are you talking? The Gemara says Asura? So you're going to come along and say, Of Pachalab, it's only Asura for seven years. Shivanikiyam, it's only Asura for seven years. What are you talking about? 
Gemara says, Asur, Asur li olam. What a machloket. Two great Rishonim. What a Kiddush. By Gentlemen, there is no doubt that the Rav is correct. There is no doubt that Asur means Asur Olam. There is no doubt that when the Gemara tells the stories of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Akiva, the Gemara is giving us a very interesting insight. No one can be certain. The man loves his wife. Absolutely. The man is not a miscreant individual. But nevertheless, after World War II, I told you the story. He wound up in Borough Park. She wound up in Menei Brock. As much as they searched for each other, they never found each other. Life has curveballs. There's always the one person. Look at Joe DiMaggio. The world gave him up for dead. Rakefet wrote a hesper already. I spoke about it, Davi. Did your father, did your father and mother-in-law tell you? I spoke about it. That the Joe got out of the hospital last Monday. They were going crazy in Miami. So I said at the end, Joe DiMaggio thanked the 250 million Americans who were praying for him. And I said at the year, 250 million Americans and one Rebbe in Yerushalayim. I put the Hesper aside now. I quoted the Yiddish when I was a kid. Growing up, they used to sell radio pl- to funeral plots on the Yiddish radio. So they came in there. They were sold by, you know, for, 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 sold by senior citizens. That's not they own property in the cemetery. So they used to say, so they kept in the plaza, and so they blighten ladik, so they blooming flansen, and so Mashiach coming. You understand? You should buy the burial plot, it should remain empty, a tree should grow there, and Mashiach should come. You understand? So I said about my husband and Joe D, I put it aside, it should never be used, tree should grow, Mashiach should come, and that husband should rot away. Miracles happen. I just lost my stepfather. Heart trouble. Pneumonia. Finished. I just lost my father-in-law. Heart trouble. Pneumonia. Finished. I just lost my neighbor. Harabanit Batshevo Salavechik Kutna Zichronet Sadekit Levracha. Cancer. Pneumonia. These were all people. Late 80s, 90s. I just lost my neighbor, Celia Drazen. The Zelda story. 90 years of age. Rebetzin Drazen. I'm living with the dead. What are you talking? I got to pinch you guys to see whether where I am. If you yell, I know I'm alive yet. Baruch Hashem. Ephraim, I appreciate you coming. Ephraim. Miracles happen. The Maggio. Liver can- cancer of liver. Operation. 84 years of age. Pneumonia sets in. You know what the chances of recovery are? Lahavdir, Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Akiva. What are the chances? One in a billion. He made it. They made it. The Rav is correct. He rips the hell out of Reb Lezer Mevedun. Chutzpah. Who gave you the right? Aser. Aser However, gentlemen, halachically speaking, of Vadzich Eli, Eli, you're not, you, you're past that age already. The cooking's done. The, are you married, Eli? If you, that's a, you have nothing. If you, if you are not married, I give you a, a Midrashat Maria yearbook to look at. That's a different story. But if you're married, don't look down, don't look anywhere. Look at your Rebbe and look at your wife. And be happy. Stop fishing. Shlomo, 
Reb Lezimir is wrong. But his logic is so overwhelming that he remains the most important point in Heteragona until today. And let me explain what I mean. And listen to me very carefully because if you master this, everything I'll say the rest of the year is only a commentary. You can't him like him. He's a tremendous Kiddush. Okay. He said a tremendous Kiddush. Remember I showed you Rashi on, on Aid Me Kedush. Remember how I explained it? It was a tremendous Kiddush of Rashi. Beautiful Kiddush. But it's a Kiddush. It's, 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 it's what you call a sheet of the Chuya. The Rov, 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 Rishonim go against that concept of Rashi. Here the Rav Yah throws out the Rav of Adun and he smacks his face and he's right. Chazal made, made, made it to Gezerah. Chazal told stories. Those stories. The fact that the man sure recovered, only an idiot is going to go and say, the next time a man of 85, 90 has liver cancer and a big operation gets pneumonia, I'm sure he's going to recover. The chances are that my own father, the Colonel of Racha, he had cancer. You don't die of cancer. But the body is so worn down, when you get pneumonia, you're finished. So a miracle happened to you. That's what the Gemara is saying. But we're worried about the one chance in a million. It's Aishatish. I'll show you a picture tomorrow. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Nevertheless, while we can't paskin like Reb Lezimevadun, we use it as a sniff. A sniff it is. Now what does a sniff mean? Look, I said an hour ago, one thing is for certain. The law of Maim Shendler himself is a rabbinic law. It's not a Torah law. It's on a rabbinic level. Once it's on a rabbinic level, if you can pull a few snifim together, a few sveikot together, a few different points of view together to be mata the isha, you knock out the rabbinic law. This is zil kribe rafbo. Even a Torah law, if you know the sugyas and about the zarin, we shine them. Even by a Torah law, once you have a sveik sveika, what do we say? Suffered the alaita. You all know the Rambam Hilchot Mamrim. What's it? Perik Aleph, Perik Bet. Right at the start, based upon the command of the Zerah, if I'm not mistaken. Suffered the alaita lechumra. Suffered the rabbanon lekula. There's a famous Rav Meir Simcher in his Parish on Chumash in Parshat Shoftim. The Meiritik Arichot there, and what that means is that I don't have time. That's a very fascinating question. What do you mean, Suffolk, the right to the grab the and What does it mean? See, he deals with a problem, a very interesting philosophical problem. Now, you're familiar with the Meshachachma. I'll just spend a minute to throw the problem out. If, uh, if someone walks into this room now with a pig, an apple, a pig on a tray like the guy immediately with an apple in his mouth, what's your reaction? David, sick, you want to puke, right? I don't know. That's my reaction. My reaction. A pig? An apple in his mouth. Oh, yeah. Someone walks in, French cooking, beautiful biscuit of beef, covered with sour cream. Treat. Oh, yeah. What about if someone walks in with a chicken covered in sour cream? The Meshachachma raises this problem. Is it inherently sickening? Or is it just the rabbi, rabbi said you can't eat it? 
So you see, there's a difference there, right? To the Rabbanan. But one thing is for certain. If in a Suffolk to a right to you go the Chumrah, see the Meshachachma goes in, he uses this as the basis why Suffolk to a right to the Chumrah, Suffolk to a right to Lakula, because he says inherently there's nothing wrong with eating chicken and milk. You follow me? It's very interesting, very fascinating. It could very well be, you're getting involved here with a tremendous, anyone sense the question? Ellie, you sense the question here? No idea. Ah, so that explains why you say Suffolk, they are right to the Chumrah because it inherently is a chefz of toiva. L- l- listen to me. I-, I can't what you're saying? The Rambam says? No, no, it's not a Rambam. That's a Midrash. That is, that we should say it's wonderful, it's good, it's magnificent, but the Torah forbids it. That's a different story. It's a different story. No, no, no. That, no, no, listen to me carefully. I'm asking a very serious question. When, 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 let's even ask it more basically. When the Chachamim made a gzera that you can't eat of Pachalav, is there something inherently wrong with of Pachalav? In other words, Pasa Pachalav, we know it's repugnant to us. There's something the matter. God said you can't eat it. God said you can't eat Chaza. So to a Jew, it's a toy va. You understand what I'm saying? We're not going to go near it. But where it's a rabbinic, a rabbinic prohibition, would you put it on that same level? And that's how the Meshachachma explains. Suffolk, they are right to Lechumrah because there's something inherently wrong with Basavachalab because God said you can't eat it. You can say what you're quoting, Ali is the Medrash. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, I love it, but God said I can't eat it. That's true, right down the line. You can say it right down the line. You can say it in relation to Shatnas. You can say it in relation to a zona. She's beautiful. It's wonderful. What's wrong? It's sex. I'm a human being. I'm a male. I have desire. No. Not allowed. Surrender to the Torah. But when it's at Yezayra the Rabbanan, perhaps there's nothing inherently wrong with it. And if that's the case, we can say, Suffolk the Rabbanan, Lakula. Gentlemen, do you see what the Machoikah is here? Anyone ever learned Kuntus de Sofrim? Rebbechonin Vasaman, you see what the Meshachachmer is saying would imply that the Chachamim acted on their own. And it's, there's not Ruach HaKodesh here, or to use contemporary language, Das Teira. They did what they did. The, the, the Rebbechonin Vasaman in Das, in the country, Stifrei Sofrim learns Pshat when the Chachamim made a Gezeira. It's, it, this is almost like a Torah law. Because it's Megala Datelyon. They didn't act on their own. There's Ruach HaKadosh. And if they say, Of Pachalav is Asa, it's almost as bad as Pachalav. We have a tremendous Machlok. It's a very fascinating question. The, by the way, the Maral deals with it. It's a very fascinating question. They once asked the Rav that the Maral would seem to indicate that the Meshachachman is right. So the Rav said, the Maral, I have it on tape, it was at a Yachai Kala, the Rav says, the Maral is nothing like base Medrash. Understand the brisket, they never held the Maral in their hands, you know, so the student threw the Maral at the Rav, he couldn't handle it. But uh, I spoke back to the tape, I was so carried away by the Shia, the tape was so clear, 
I was an idiot. I spoke back to the type. It took me half a minute to realize I'm an idiot. I'm talking to a type. I said, but Rebbe, the Meshachachma, I threw out the Meshachachma, the Meshachachma is from your base medish because he was taking the viewpoint of, of, of Rebbe Hanan Vassaman. He was dealing with it theoretically. He wasn't dealing with these Achronim by name, but he was dealing with it theoretically. But it's a fascinating problem. But nevertheless, by us, do you understand what I'm saying now? A little bit better. You're confusing two different things. But inherently, there's something the matter if the Torah said, you, you can't eat Basavachal. I'll give you a different example. If the Torah said, blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah, it means inherently there's something to the shofar. It's not just you're blowing a shofar. You're doing a mitzvah deal right it's, it's a shofar. And the Meshach Chachma says, what about a Hanukkah menorah? Does it have that same feeling like a shofar? Oh no, do you view it a Hanukkah menorah? The Chacham made a Takana, a Gezerah, call it what you wish. A Takana would probably be. You light a Hanukkah menorah, but there's no inherent deep feeling that one has to associate with a Hanukkah menorah. According to the Divrei Sofrim, a Hanukkah menorah is Divrei Sofrim. It's, it's a different story. You have to have inherent feeling. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting, interesting, fascinating question. But one thing is for sure. If the writer Safek is Lachumra and Sveik Sveiku already one tends to be lenient, Allah had Kama Vakama with the Dindarabana, and if you can have two Sveikat, three Sveikat, four Sveikat, Allah had Kama Vakama, you can be Makil. And here's where Rablasame Vadun, and he's never quoted by name, he's always quoted under the rubric of Vad Zichro. Wherever you hear the rubric of Vad Zichro, of Vad Zichro refers to Reb Lezim It is constantly a sniff. You can always be mitzarefet. You can always add it to the snifim. Yes, there's an Eirechad, there's Eid Nipiyed, there's Simon among clothes. You're involved, whether it's a Simon Muvhak or Simon Benoni. The man had a scar on his forehead. The man had a crooked nose. Perhaps it's only a Simon Benoni. Perhaps it's not enough. You feel uncomfortably matir. But you have the Avad Zichro. Fabulous. Now here, the Avad Zichro, and we'll see it, is very amorphous. What do I mean by it's very amorphous? Years ago, you had to wait at least three years. Travel was difficult. Life was difficult. Communication was non-existent. Modern times, you never have to wait more than a year. Logically, it could be nowadays you don't even have to wait a year. But nevertheless, we're always machmed to wait one year. And I'll give you all the sources next week. Why? Communication is much easier. The Khatam already spoke about the post office. You don't realize what a fabulous concept that is. You go over to a mailbox anywhere in the civilized world. You drop in a letter. The letter reaches its destination a few days later, a week later, two weeks later. Think what I'm telling you. Every civilized country is signed on international agreements with, with the post. And generally speaking, very little mail gets lost. It's quite reliable considering the millions of pieces that are mailed each day all over the world. Take a look at the tweet. Then came the telegraph. Imagine the telegraph. Rabchaim sends a shayla to Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan, send me a one-word telegraph answer. Kasher, puzzle. 
Valid or void? The famous get Shiloh. Then you come to the telephone. You don't realize. I remember an era without telephones. I remember World War II when your, your, your druggist had a telephone. He was special priority. Sometimes he would be good enough to take calls for you. Your, your cousin called. They had just arrived in New York. The druggist sent some boy up to tell you. Met someone on the street. Ran up. Told his family. Apartment. I think it was apartment 4N. Washington. 2115 Washington Avenue. Your father. Your mother ran down. Your whole day changed. You were going to visit your cousins. They just arrived. They came to their aunt and uncle. Today everyone has a telephone. Today everyone walks around. Yeah, that's in, in Israel. It's impossible to walk on the streets. Everyone, you think they're talking to you? They're talking on the telephone. You're riding on a bus. Everyone is yatting away in the telephone. It has a lot of advantages. I start to see it. You can always reach a person at any time. I don't want to be reached in every. I want to walk and think and and develop ideas. I don't want to be bothered by the telephone. But it's not, even even Florida already. I saw telephones all over. Generally, Israelis, the Israelis have that beautiful habit. They're always on the telephone. It's fabulous. Telephone is fantastic. Think what it does. Then you have today email, fax, then email, the website. People don't leave their computers today. My my son Luchaim, I never see him. I only see him sitting at the computer. He goes to say shit. Sits at the computer. I saw in New York. People sit at the computer all day. They tuned in. My student David Holzer. He never leaves the computer. He runs the world out of that computer. It's a mind-boggling world. Instant communication. The whole universe. Wow. So you mean to say you have to wait seven years today? One year. One year. It's not enough to be matter alone. But it's always the second or the third factor. And the minute you have a Sveik Sveika, the minute you have two Snifim, the minute you have two points of view that point to leniency, if you can be Mata a pillar or theoretically, you can be Mata or Rabbinic Law. And this is exactly what responsible literature is about with Aguna. The first thing you do with Aguna, bring it to the level of Mind Shainling himself. The minute you bring it to the level of mind chain himself, the rubric of mind chain himself, you have brought it to a rabbinic level. The minute you bring it to a rabbinic level, be mabes sveikot, be mabes nifim, create a sveika. This is what it's all about. And time and again, perhaps a hundred thousand times in the twentieth century or more, being matir literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of agunat, rabesimivadun, avadzichrau. Time and again, it's a sniff. There isn't a trivia you will see where it doesn't enter the picture. Even if you have a sveik sveik without it, but it strengthens your case. A third suffix, a third sniff. And finally, my last words tonight, very close to home. All of you know that we who sit in this room are part of a great yeshiva known as Yeshiva's Rebetzchol Hanan. It's began, trace its roots to 1886 basically, although really Yitzchak Hanu was organized in 97, 1897, but Eitzchayim, which is its predecessor, was organized in 1886. The name of Yitzchak who was he? What was he? More than any other posek, he was known as the Avi Agunat. He was the one who was not only Matiragunat, but taught us 
formally paved the way for everything that was going to happen in the 20th century. And I'll tell you why, and I'll illustrate it next week. You see, sometimes a rub gets a chuva on a single topic, so he writes an answer. That chuva is published later among his chuva, it's cited as a precedent. Fine. What Rabbi Zilchanan did was much more. He developed the framework how to be Matar How to utilize the Avad Zichro. And he didn't just cite it as one point in an isolated shiva. He turned around, time and time referred to it. And time and time showed, once he's Matar a single Aguna, then ten Agunas, a hundred Aguna, a boat, whatever happened, he showed this is the way to go. This is the way to be Matthew. And in his lifetime, you should know, just as Reb Chaim's Derech became famous in the world of learning, and all of us learned the Briska Derech, and a Hefzer, and a Gavran, Shnei Dinim, and Dini Yishut, and Dini Di Alma. I met a Talmud uh, in Lausanne, in, in Miami, told me over sure myself, place 40 years ago, 35 years ago, and he couldn't get over. I once remember it was Masechet Kedushin. I once asked a very simple question: How is it the uh, the second parak Ish Makadosh Bol Shlucha? And in the first parak, Ish Niknesh Ladei Shlosha Derachim Kesef Shtal Bia. Can a man make another man a shlich to be Mikadosh his Isha to be Mikadosh his wife through Bia? That's the question I asked. Think what I'm asking. I guess it stayed in his mind because a teenage kid, a question like that, tantalized him. But he never forgot the answer. I went into Shneidinim, Reb Chaim's answer, Din the Alma, Din Shut. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you understood me. That Kesev Vishtar is a universal form of Kenyan. When you use a universal form of Kenyan, you use the universal mechanism, which includes Shliach. Bia is a unique Kenyan to Ishut. By definition, it's only the husband and wife. You follow me, David? So the kid never forgot that answer. He said it over to me. I couldn't believe my ears. He said it over to me in, 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 in the kid. I mean, he's a grandfather today. But to me, he's still a kid, Baruch Hashem. The kid said it over to me in Miami Beach. That's Repaim, conquered the world. I, uh, did the, I mean, oh, everything. I can g- give you a thousand examples. Repaim is Repaim. You all know that. Just as Repaim conquered the world in Briskaderech, Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Khanan became famous as the Avihagunat. And this approach to be Matya through a Sveika, to be Matya through Ering Snifim, to be Matya through the Avad Zichro, what Rabbi Lezim Everdun began in his time in the 1300s, Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Khanan turned in to a classic blueprint how to be Mater Akunat. And there isn't a Meshiv in the 20th century who doesn't go back to Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan, whether it's Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, whether it's Rabbi Avadja Yosef, whatever collection, the Mintrat Yitzchak, whatever famous collection of Chivat that are Mater Akunat, among them many Chivat, nobody can do it on their own today without citing the precedence and the approach and the blueprint and the outline and if I can use modern terminology, the computer program 
that Reb Yitzchak Alchanan instituted. And this is what made him so famous. He was a great post but above all, he was living at a time that Jews were traveling to America, Jews were traveling far away from home for business reasons, Jews were caught up in car crashes, boat crashes, train crashes, carriage crashes, call it what you wish, and he was dealing no longer with isolated cases, but tens and hundreds afterwards, and he paved the way. He was precedent-making, and this is Rabbi Yitzchokhanan, and Be'ezrat Hashem, next week, we will see how this all comes to fore, how it all comes to life, but mainly the Chivit of Rabbi Yitzchokhanan Specter next week. By the way, for those that are interested, I have his photograph here. We have a reliable photograph. It's not like the Vulnagon where there's a whole machloket. How did the Vulnagon really look? Because there were no photographs at the time. This is Mamish, a photograph of Rabbi Yitzchokhanan taken already towards the end of his life when he was the Rev of Kovna, the world-famous Rabbi Yitzchokhanan. So my dear friends, on this beautiful Sunday, when we're back together again, Rabbi David Miller tells me I was missed. The boys asked me when I'm coming back. All right, I don't have to feel complimented or my back is being brushed. But either way, either way, I'm very happy to be back. I'm very happy to have said this year on Imodala Kadish Baruch that I, I, I have my method of overcoming jet lag and it works. So far it works. It's very important when you travel because it's, it's very difficult. That jet lag is a frightening concept. You jump back, you jump ahead. Your time totally moves on you. So Baruch Hashem, I was solid this morning and even more solid this afternoon. What did we do today? We today, Shia would say, basically devoted to Reb Lezimei Vadun. We gave you the source. We outlined the Gemara in Yuvamat, Reb Yitzchak Isaac Halevi Herzog, the whole concept of Sveik Sveika, of Vad Zichro, Umdina, Umdina, the Reb Lezimei Vadun, Umdina, the Vad Zichro. That's the way it's referred to in halachic literature. But it's a key. It becomes a key. And Reb Yitzchak Han Spectrum more than anyone else gave us the blueprint, the computer program, and that's what we'll pick up next week. Now, tomorrow, number one, I want to mention that Jack is in Toronto. He had a granddaughter, his daughter who lives in Toronto. Uh, well, tell him to give Kiddush. What do you want out of me? You call Toronto today and tell him when he comes back, he has to give Kiddush. Fine, he'll be back in a few weeks' time. So I just want to tell you he's gone due to a simcha. Number one. Number two. Tomorrow I'm doing something interesting. I'm taking the Rav's talk in 77 on Pesach. You'll see at the start it bears some similarity to what we did in, in, uh, in, in Maria in 72, I believe the previous talk was. And then it changes pace. What's fascinating about the talk in 77, it was given as a Tanya Soloveitchik Mendel Goddess Memorial Lecture to a very large audience of Stern College girls, Yeshiva College boys, and you already see the Rav hitting the audience living in their ballpark. As a matter of fact, that's the talk where the Rev refers to baseball. The only time I heard him refer to baseball, the audience is hysterical, but what happens is he begins with, with the, we'll talk tomorrow, you'll see it's a little difficult for an audience that's not Lamdanam to follow. So evidently he sensed the audience was not with him yet, so he says, don't worry, don't worry, I'm just warming up. I'm just warming up, so I'm just starting to pitch, and the the the, uh, the audience responded. Now, tomorrow afterwards in Ashkafa, I want to speak about uh, my trip, about Rabbi Rackman, some other matters, and Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, there's a lot to say, so we'll pick up where we left off until we meet again in health and happiness, Das Vadanya. 
Thank you very much.